welcome back to the Create Radio Show. I'm Jason Evans. Alongside me is Kyler Clapp. Through the digital means is Kyle Lee. And then mixing the faders, producer Chris. Let's get the show started, everyone. so good to be back another week of the show how's everybody doing is everybody in a in a in a good mood it's very cold here in oklahoma feet are cold but my heart is warm wow <laughs> that's good that's good what about you kyler uh, it's going <laughs> just going uh would you like to tell us about your journey into the office today um i almost wrecked twice one was right before a set of train tracks ah. and i was pumping my brakes and screaming at them at the same time like please work please work and so I almost reared into the car, so I like gently peeled off into the ditch. Like, did you go all the way into the ditch? Or just no, it was off? like one tire was like, well, it was more like a curb ditch. Okay. So one. It's like this show most of the time, just yeah, we're kind of off into the just ditch. Slightly yeah. just veer into the ditch. So. Yeah. And then second one, I almost like fishtailed, spinned out in front of a group of firefighters, mm. which wouldn't have been the worst thing. I mean, at least they would have been there, right? Yeah. Yeah. You may have met one. That could have been something. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Chicago Fire, who? <laughs> yeah, that OKCFD. OKCFD, you know? who? <laughs> oh, man. Chris, any near, From near misses Dick for you? Clark. <laughs> Dick Clark. What's his name? Clark. Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf. <laughs> Dick Wolf. <laughs> the American Bandstand. <laughs> Dick Clark. Co- hey, he did pretty COVID stuff, brain. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, what about you? Any near misses? No, but I do have to do a uh, <clears throat> a Olympics ice skating routine just to take my trash out. Yeah, so, yeah. beautiful. It's a, yeah. it's a dangerous world here in Oklahoma. I'd like to see that. Um, this may be a record like the for <laughs> 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 This might be a record for uh, days under freezing for Oklahoma. I don't know. So it's uh, no end in sight currently. All you uh, people who live up north, um, you can feel sorry for us. It's okay, just because we don't get it. We don't understand. But anyway, so week that was, did you guys stumble across anything new? Did you come uh, in, in contact with any new music, videos, news, anything? Apparently you loved the uh, halftime show, Kyler. <laughs> I did love the halftime show. My mom texted me before. Well, my mom texted me while she was watching it. And she was like, this weekend guy, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I'm really not a fan either, which I know probably all of his chart songs just because they're good, but him as a person, I'm like, I mean, he's yeah. fine. I just yeah. don't. And so I watched oh, it. Judge much? <laughs> no, him as a person, I just, I'm like, cool. He makes good music. He has a lot of Michael Jackson vibes. Mm-hmm. That's why I like. Um, so I watched the halftime show, and from the get go, I just thought it was good. And the ending performance or the ending song, Blinding Lights, um, all the dancers on the field just like flopping around, fantastic. Kyle, rebuttal. Sure. Yeah. I did love the robot choir that it opened up the with. The robot choir. That was cool. They looked like a bunch of little ant mans up there. <laughs> with white robes on. They, you know, he's been doing that covering his face with all the gauze and bandages for, I feel like it's been at least a year. Mm-hmm. Like he's only worn that one outfit, um, which is, I guess, great for him. 
But it was a perfect way for the, all his dancers to have to wear masks because their faces all yeah. covered True. up. Yeah, I thought that was a nice touch, personally. So, I mean, not that it matters. There was, you know, 75 grown men out there just slopping spit the entire football game without a mask. So oh, I was like, I thought you meant the halftime, and I was like, don't remember that. <laughs> oh, the, the real that's, reason that's, for coming together uh, on that evening, you know, the honey. football game. It just doesn't, the sports... <laughs> Like watching the NBA and they have to wear masks sitting over on the sidelines yeah. and they get to take it off and then go like rub up against other sweaty dudes. Yeah. Like, and they're, and they tell them they're not allowed to like shake hands afterwards yeah. or anything. My brother was trying to explain to me his head wrap thing, but apparently when he was at the Grammys, he had just had plastic surgery. Mm. I don't think this is true. He just had plastic no, surgery. I fooled. Yeah. And he like received his award with his gauze on, but that was like his whole thing for one of his music videos. Yeah. And he yeah. looks and the same, so I'm that I'm song, confused. That blinding light song. Yeah. Bing, or whatever bing, it's called. Bing, bing. Sorry, I can't sing a lot. Well. So Kyle, is that a new toy you have or is that just something that uh you busted out of storage? No, yeah, it was just sitting on this desk in here whenever I was setting everything up, so the voice tone, C1, hard tune and correction pedal. Awesome. Can you give us just a little taste of what all it will do? Oh, I can do anything. You got any key you need to set it on? Ranges from off to hard as far as the correction. You set your gender, so this would be in the key of C. <laughs> or you can go high. Wow. Yeah. You can plug your guitar into it or any instrument and it'll tune with the instrument too. So like if you're playing the piano, it'll your voice will stay in tune with whatever you're playing. Hmm. Nice. How about that? Yeah, that's, you know, used it for a couple of performances that just weren't big enough mm. for the our congregation. Weren't <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. impressive enough, you know? Yeah. If a megachurch wasn't doing it, then wasn't good enough. Man, there's a lot loaded in that comment right there. But before we uh, unpack that comment, potentially, Chris, uh, I think you're bringing us top three this week. Is that right? I am. I am bringing top three. Let's do it. Top three. Okay. So this week, top three favorite music videos ever. Good one. Favorite music videos Ooh. ever. Wow. Stand in the Rain by Super Chicken. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I don't know why. Oh, no. uh, wow. On a side note, uh, my wife and I, while traveling this weekend, we listened to all the Super Chick catalog. Wango Revolution. brought back memories. Well, they kind of went hard. Hey, you know, some of their lyrics, uh, they, they were kind of in tune. Like, they, they were with it in a lot of ways, so... Yeah, they could actually probably come back today and, and have a pretty good following. I think, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, so Stand in the Rain, that's your number one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Top three music videos. I don't even know if I've, I mean, I know I've watched three music videos, but like, I don't even know what sticks out. I love music videos. Well, I used to. And they're back. We've talked about how they're back yeah, now. Yeah, they are back. One of my favorite all-time music videos is Jars of Clay, Work. Mm. Mm. The band's playing. And the water is just filling up the whole time. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Till it covers their whole face. Yeah, my kids actually love that video too. <laughs> We've been we watch it like every day. That one used to play on the you know closed circuit TVs in their uh, youth building. Mm -hmm. 
Love that. Um, this one's not really a music video, but the live performance of Goo Goo Dolls Iris in Buffalo, yeah. New York. Okay. On 4th of July, whenever it starts raining and they finish the song or they play the whole song. Okay. That one is uh, awesome because they're just getting drenched and the crowd stays and he just plays through that song. Even the Iris music video itself. Mm. I don't know if you remember. Vaguely. Don't. Uh, he's like up in like a tower, like looking through all these like telescopes or whatever, like down at the world. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty good. Man, Chris, this is a bad question for me. Let me see. That was two. I got to think of one more. Um, it'd be worth for everyone to watch a Marilyn Manson ate my girlfriend by. <laughs> Dang oh, it! There goes one of that one of yours. By Reliant K. <laughs> 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 I was like, "There's is, no way anyone's going to get this one." <laughs> the production is low, but worth the watch. That does bring up. I got. I'm gonna have to look it up. But there's a Reliant K one. Is be my escape is a good Reliant K one. High production quality. Uh, that's the one where they're walking through like the crowd and everything, right? No, no. that's uh, pressing on. Pressing on. What's the one? Um, so the one I'm thinking of is they they're playing in like a nursing home. Um, that is chapstick chaps, and chaplets okay, and things okay. like chemistry. So that one's on my on my list. Uh, that one sticks out. It's basically the only one I can remember right now. So <laughs> that one's great. The old man gets his false teeth stuck in yeah. Matt Thiessen's leg. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got, Kyler? I <laughs> mine are not like. Christian. No, I didn't. <laughs> I it's know, not a I know, but um, I'm just thinking when I say favorite, I'm thinking of the most like memorable mm-hmm. music videos probably for me. Um, one of them, and in no particular order, one of them would be Single Ladies by Beyonce. Okay. Um, fantastic. That might have been like the first music video Kyle notes I recall watching. And I like dancing in music videos, so that was a plus. Like choreographed um, dancing? Yeah, I love chore- okay. choreography. Um, second one would probably have to be Stupid Love by Lady Gaga. Um, the way they did, it's it's CGI, I guess. They like CGI a bunch of mountains in the background of this desert to make it look like a planet, and the choreography and the costumes are amazing. Um, and then my last one would be Guillotine by John Bellion. Um, they shot it in like this dark, what looks like this big dark warehouse. And one of the shots, it looks like he's standing on the camera and like dancing on the camera. Oh, it's good. What's the one um, you you showed us, uh, the Bieber one that looks like a single shot? Lonely? Lonely, 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 lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's probably uh, one of the most recent uh, ones I've seen. That one was that was the from a production standpoint. That one was mm-hmm. nice. Nine one one by Lady Gaga. Yeah, too. is that the other one? Yeah, you, the okay. storytelling in that one's really, really good. Um, How yeah. could this happen to me by Simple Plan? <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember that video. I don't know what that <laughs> is. It's like a drunk driving accident. I remember the song. Oh, that's kind of yeah. like that. So I remember the song. I don't remember the video though. Uh I do. It got me. <laughs> It got me good. (laughs) All right, Chris. Um, Well, uh, Cutlass, Sea of Faces. (laughs) 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 Chris, Chris, you royally kind of stumped us on this one, but uh, I was was ready to go. Me too. Uh, You stumped me. Just because you were stumped. Well, I had, uh, of course, Marilyn Manson ain't my girlfriend. Dang it, Kyle. Um, Then another one. Because it was like the very first music video I remember, and I watched it when I was like six or five. But it was uh, it was by Earth Suit, and it was one time. Okay. Hmm. For a third, 
I had something, but then I lost it. Um, I don't know that song. It's a it's a great song. <laughs> God of Wonders, Cademan's Call. Ah, uh, yep, yep. God yeah. of Wonders, third day. Third day. Slash <laughs> With Michael Tate. <laughs> uh, stars uh, by Switchfoot. Stop. That's a good music yeah, video. Good. Oh, another good Switchfoot one is uh, New Way to Be Human. That's a. It's one of their old. I guess before they ever got oh, like yeah. super famous, but um, it, they're like in a hotel. It's like got like a shining vibe, mm-hmm. um, but it's pretty good. And they're all like taking off uh, each other's faces, and it's like other members of the band and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You like uh, "Where I'm From" by Colony House when they do that one shot? It looks like. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. That, shot. That's yeah. Yeah. Okay, Is that the one you. where they have the giant heads? No, no that's, that's original. original material. When okay. they're on like the first nuclear. time, Lifehouse. <laughs> they all start off white, like, and then the red starts exploding all Ooh. over them. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Another one. Man, music videos. I do like music videos, but I obviously don't pay attention to Spinning them. Spinning around by so. Jump Five. <laughs> <laughs> I had that one on a VHS. Nice. Oh, uh, me and you watched this one. The other day, or t- was talking about it. It was the uh, the one by House of Heroes. The oh yeah, uh, in, the uh, in the Valley of the Dying yep. Sun. Yeah, that's, that's a good, a good one. one. That's a good one. If you ever want to see two people, uh, you know, try to strangle each other, that's a great, mm-hmm. great video. It's wartime, so you know, makes sense, I guess. <laughs> but, wow, Chris, thank you for that top three. So you brought it, man. I brought it. This has been top three. Well, hey, uh, we better just hop right to it. We have a great guest on today's episode. And uh, Kyler, would you like to do the intro? Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> what? Why would you do that to me? Well, because you were very excited about <laughs> having this guest on. So, this guest this week, man, their band has been titled The Bad Boys of Christian Rock. <laughs> He's the lead singer of the band Gable Price and Friends. Really cool artist, really great lyrics. We asked him on the show because we're honestly big fans, really, really big fans of their music. So, here today with us is Gable Price from Gable Price and Friends. Thank you so much for taking time to join uh, the Create Radio Show. And uh, how's it going out in California, man? It's going good out here, man. It's uh, We had this, uh, the annual snow, or maybe biannual. Um, we get snow every once in a while. And so we were snowed in here for a few days. And now it's kind of like 60 degrees again. So mm. things um, change pretty quick around here <laughs> yeah. in terms of weather. But other than that, things are great out in Redding. Well, awesome. Well, um, as, as we get started, we, we like to start out with our guests. We don't want to ask the boring question of tell us about yourself. We'd actually rather do a, a kind of a lightning round segment we call Who Do You Think You Are? Um, I just have some questions that I was going to ask. Who do you think you are? First question we want to ask is what is the last really good thing that you streamed? The last really good thing that I streamed? I haven't been a movie or a TV show person in a while. I love when I catch on to one, but I would say the last really good thing that I streamed. Are, are we talking shows and music? Or hey, we, we left it yeah. that vague on purpose. Okay, the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan and the, yeah. the '98 Bulls. Okay, documentary. Yeah. So yeah. good. So so let me follow up on that real fast. You, you're you're a, a young pup compared to me. So like, uh, you know, Michael <laughs> Jordan was my childhood. Did this did this documentary give you any more insight into 
MJ that maybe you didn't know before? Oh, absolutely. It was like, because you only see highlights of, you know, older stars. So, I mean, I'm a diehard LeBron fan. Our band before every show puts our hands in the middle and chants, we're all LeBron James. We're all LeBron James. Uh, but uh, so like to get to see, you know, Jordan and see how just how dominant he was and just how big of like a social icon he was. I didn't realize that it was like that. But I guess like before social media, it's like there's like five people that are like yeah. the A-list celebrities. But it was really cool. And it was cool to see, you know, the the failures of the team as well. It wasn't just like a 10 minute highlight video like you'd find on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Next question. Your top three musical influences. Reliant K. I always loved Reliant K. First song I bought on iTunes ever was College Kids. Okay. Um, and then the next day I bought the beautiful Letdown album from Switchfoot. Um, yep. But I would say um, of all time, Reliant K, John Foreman. Of course. Uh, and then like it's like a like a dead tie on the third one between Manchester Orchestra and John Mark McMillan. For sure. Awesome. All faves, those are, yeah, those honestly. Are those are That's great. Good. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now a very important question. Um, what <laughs> topics are the most important to you on a sandwich? So what are your preferred toppings on a sandwich? I thought you said topics. I was like the topics uh, of the, the sandwich. Topics of the sandwich yeah. Points are there? yeah, did the um, Earl really uh, create it? You know. <laughs> um, love salami. Um, I would say salami, pepper jack cheese, and pickles all right yeah good choice pretty weird from a specific place or just at home i mean i'm not a big sandwich guy these days i i got our whole band on the whole like the whole 30 kick like a month ago and so since then i haven't really thought about sandwiches but um i uh, there's a sprouts in reading which is like you know whole foods without the hot bar yeah and um they have great sandwiches there so i'll do that um, but every time, like, they'll give me a look whenever I'm like pickles, uh, mustard, like looking at me, like, you're not pregnant, are you? And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> okay, cool. Uh, would you rather see Bigfoot or a UFO or have you seen either Bigfoot. actually in real life? I haven't. Um, my feet are very average. My feet are size 10. Um, so <laughs> not Bigfoot. Uh, I would probably <laughs> rather see a UFO if they were not like gonna you know abduct me and do experiments <laughs> yeah. on me i used to have i remember there was one time oh gosh what did it always play after i think it was after wipeout every night every wednesday night when wipeout would air on abc um afterwards like 60 minutes would come on yeah yep. or something like that and uh there was one on ufos and how they already exist among us kind of thing um and i was probably eight and just terrified. So I wouldn't go outside at night for like probably a week where I was like, I'm going to get abducted. I will die. If there's a shadow over there, there's an alien. So I'd rather see aliens just to get over the stigma. Eight year old spears. Yeah. They're probably pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, surely they're friendly, right? All those movies can't be, they can't be right. You know? Yeah. They got to be more like ET. So. Still on a fan. <laughs> uh, well, that concludes our segment. Uh, who do you think you are? Thank you very much, Gable. Well, no problem, guys. Who do you think you are? 
Toby. Correct. All right, so now let's get down to business. Um, you mentioned uh, Reliant K was one of your top influences, and and I have to mm-hmm. say, uh, we were talking. I think it was yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. And I mentioned I actually compared you to Matt Thiessen, um as a lyricist. Oh, let's go. So, um, uh, because I I think you're you're uh, you have clever ways of writing um, as a lyricist. Mm-hmm. So, uh, congrats to you for that. But my first question was, um, you know, how did you get into songwriting and music, and and kind of where did that love come from? Yeah, I mean, my dad was a songwriter and a worship pastor. My, you know, since I was seven, I think. Um, actually, it was probably earlier. But um, so that's what he did. He always wrote songs. So I think I wrote one when I was, I wrote a song with him when I was five called "Little Boat Blue." Um, nice. And we still have it framed in my house. Wow. Um, so I got into it just because I was always around it. I was always around creative people, um, and so that kind of started it all. But, uh, yeah, just kind of progressed through the year, through the years. My dad would always be really intentional about, you know, he had like a little recording set up. So if I had written a song, he'd be like, okay, you need to finish it so that we can record it. So then I'd be inspired to finish the song. And then as I'm finishing that one, I'm like, oh, I'm going to write one like this with a guitar solo and stuff like that. So, um, I was just, you know, put into a really empowering or empowered environment with my dad. Um, so that's kind of just started it all. And I think I just wrote songs about everything from a really early point. What all instruments do you play? Um, I'd say the only instrument that I'm really, really worth something at is guitar. Um, I, I played electric guitar and it was really my thing for a while. I played in a couple bands before I moved here, uh, to Reading, but, um, I can get by on drums. I, I probably drive our drummer crazy with like all my suggestions. I'm like, what if we were like, uh, I can play bass. I have a bass, um, and I can play keys in the key of C. Yes. All the way keys. (laughs) Perfect. Good. So when it comes to your songwriting and like lyrics and the musical arrangement, how does that work? Like what's your process? Because I know sometimes people are like, why come up with the melodies first and then the lyrics? Like what does that look like for you? And we can get as deep as you want on this. I mean, be thorough. Uh, The people want to know. Uh, Me as a people. um, My song. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the metaphorical people. Uh, no, uh, it's, it changes all the time. It really comes to me in one lyric at a time, usually, um, to get started. And it usually all starts in my voice memos, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say that I'm either a l- lyrical person first or a melody person first. I think it kind of flip flops or I'll have a melody with like an ending lyric in it mm-hmm. where I'll be like, and then it's going to be like, ten percent of my heart, so you know. Uh, and then I'll just like make a voice memo where I'm like, and then the drums will be like, you know. Um, so I think that it usually starts for me in my voice memos, and then uh, just in like the last year, Mike Mains taught me this trick that was like, he, you know, you have this note section that whenever you come up with a really cool lyric but you don't have a song for it you write it in here in that in that place and you write how many syllables it is Mm. so right recently like i i come up with more one-liners than anything um as opposed to songs and then every once in a while like make a melody following that one-liner um but so if i'm writing a song and i've got a melody first i'm like okay i need something to fit in this tagline 
you know, I'll look in that notes section and be like, does anything fit the theme of what I'm trying to achieve? So lately that's been kind of my writing process is, you know, you get inspired by one lyric and then you build around it. And um, sometimes it's not even, you know, lyrics or melody first. It's like a musical idea that mm. um, you really want to emphasize the musicality of it. So I'd say my writing process varies by the day and how inspired I'm feeling. If I'm less inspired, I'm, you know, probably more melodic, melodically driven. If I'm more inspired, it's definitely more of a lyrical thing. Nice. Cool. So kind of with the band, um, you know, what's the process? Like, how do you bring it to them? How do they get input? Kind of what's that collaborative process look like? Yeah, we don't have a practice space yet. I think whenever we have like a show, we reach out to a few of our friends with spaces in Reading or we used um, one of the campuses at church. Um, Lately, it's been more so of, and towards the end of the album, when we really got on the time crunch, uh, what would happen is I'd write a song you know, have like the full idea of me and an acoustic guitar. Um, and then I would meet up with, you know, Dave who produced the record and he plays bass for us. And um, we would just kind of put it on, you know, make a demo of that idea. And then we, you know, bring it to the guys and we'd all create around it. You know, what if we did this, you know, on the drums, which kind of changes the whole idea. And what if we did this on guitar and, you know, COVID also got us a little creative just because, mm-hmm. you know, we wrote, you know, the Awestruck Revival and Heretic and all that in our rehearsals before a show. Oh, wow. Um, like when we're all together playing. So we didn't have any shows. So there was just less of us all in the same room with our instruments. It mm-hmm. was a lot more creating in the recording software, you know, like Pro Tools or something like mm-hmm. that. And then bringing it to the guys. What do we think of this? How can we make it better? That's the process. It's never just one person. Heretic started from Dave sending me a little instrumental he had made, I think, in like 2018. Hmm. He was like, oh, check this out. And it was like this super long synth intro with like the drum drum beat that does. And that summer got totally tapped out on writing. And I was like, I don't really know what to do. So I pulled up that voice memo or that like little audio file he had sent me. And I was driving to Michigan for a rehearsal for a Mike Main show, actually. And I had my my little microphone. Um, I say little microphone. It was just, it was a um, SM57 in the car plugged into my interface, which was in the, in the glove compartment with my laptop in the passenger seat. <laughs> nice. And I'm driving, I'm driving and I hit play and I'm like, da, 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 the promised land beneath my feet. And it was just like the one lyric thing. And then the chorus, I was like, and then I know I want to yell. So I want to be like, oh. Uh, and so then I said that to Dave and he's like, love it. Let's do it as soon as you get back to town. Um, and you, that's kind of the band process right now. It's It varies and it's hilarious and fun and we have a good time together. Oh, that's good. That, I mean, that's great. Uh, you know, collaboration is uh, such a valuable tool, creatively speaking. And then, you know, in music, especially. Um, just how people hear different things and they can all have their own input. Um, so that's cool. Thanks mm-hmm. for sharing that for sure. Um, oh, of course. You know, so uh, your lyrics, uh, for me, I, I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but for me, your lyrics are like what really made me a fan. Flames. Um, just, mm. Only flames. Um, and and I really <laughs> I really love how just uh, 
I, to me, they're very direct in mm. what they're saying. You know, it's not a lot of vague mm-hmm. ideas and, and it feels very honest to me, like honest from your soul, honest from a point of view of like a young believer and seeing maybe mm. the, the, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but seeing the American church. <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, could you tell us a little There's bit? Some of that there. Yeah. Some of that maybe. <laughs> um, but could you, could you tell us a little bit about, um, I guess what I'm going to ask is how are you so honest in your, in your creative writing? Um, and you know, how are you so direct? Cause it's, it's beautiful, I think. Oh, well, thanks. I mean, in terms of how am I so honest? I think that it's for me, it's really the only way it makes sense is like writing a song for the sake of writing a song. I don't know if you guys do Enneagram. I know some Christians have just decided that Enneagram is taboo, but I, I have used it for a lot of things, but, um, I'm a three wing four. Let's so, go. Uh, this is, Threes yeah, all the this is way. Kyler's life. Right Let's here. go. So <laughs> I don't cre- Yeah. So I have the you know, creativity of a four and structure of like a three. But what I what I've realized is that I like to I create when I feel like it's important. I don't create just to create. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it feels significant, I make it that's why like so many people are like, I wrote five songs this week you know eight songs this week were one a day and then i wrote a second one on saturday kind of thing that's not me that's not me at all like i i'm not a workhorse when it comes to writing i like co-writing i could write a lot of songs if i co-wrote but um when it comes to the things i have to write something that i feel is important and i feel like it's significant so and if it's not going to be like the greatest melody of all time that's just going to blow up and it's going to make everything easier or it's not a, a idea that I'm passionate about that I really feel. So I think most of the most of the album and why it probably feels so honest to everyone is because it because it was. Yeah. Um, it was all the things that I wrote about were just the things I was feeling at the time, you know, uncensored. You know, where so I think that for me, honest writing is the only thing that feels worth it. Like feels worth putting yourself out there feels worth um, releasing music under the the Christian um, overarching mm-hmm. tent. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, I, I tried to write worship music with our first EP and it was still just too weird. Like yeah. I showed my, my church uh, touch your robe and I was like, is this something that you feel like the church will pick up? They're like, it's a great song. And no, um, <laughs> they're like you know you're saying you want to smell like jesus and take your shoes off and stuff like that they're like it's amazing beautiful but like so i think once i realized that like it wasn't a worship project necessarily Mm -hmm. i think the only thing that kept me wanting to not just go call me house and switchfoot and just write about whatever you want to write about Mm -hmm. um uh keeping me under kind of the christian revival tent if you will uh, was the fact that I, I I have the thoughts and the wrestles that I feel like a lot of people have and they're not willing to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, the, the only thing that really kept me going under the blanket of Christian music, because, it, you know, people you know like to just t- dog on Christian music. And sometimes I understand it. Um, a lot of times I do. But um, the only thing that kept me going was knowing that I was going to say something that no one else was willing to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that answers the question oh, yeah. uh, at all. I think 
you saying that, saying things that nobody else really wants to, I mean, kind of brings up a bigger question. And just being a young person and seeing like all the popular Christian artists on Instagram and all their platforms saying things um, that, you know, are truth and they're so well said. And I'm just, I'm confused because I'm like, why can't you put that in your music? And I think that's why we're also just kind of like in awe of the way you put things lyrically because you're saying things that everyone's trying to say but it's like it's not singable and it's not like lyrically Mm -hmm. flowy um which is so cool but why do you think in just your own own opinion why do you think that it's hard for christian artists or maybe even the church Mm -hmm. um to find this voice that's speaking the truth yeah that's it i mean that's it's a good question and it's something i asked before i think i've had a little bit more grace for mainstream Christian music lately, just as I've gotten to know the people, like a lot of the people and just be like, wow, there's some really, really, really good people here. Mm. I think one of the big reasons why, you know, they're on us on their social platform, but with their music, it's a little bit more singable and um, digestible, Mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. yeah, I think that it's because a lot of them are, are, are called to a different thing than I feel like a, you know, me or even you guys are called to of just, you know, I, I think that I've been naturally drawn and I think I've gone through a lot of the things that I've gone through to be able to give people a language to it. Um, but I think that a lot of the popular Christian artists, you know, the reason why why their songs are like that is probably because it's the the sphere they're called to. If they're called to worship, yeah. um, you know, it, it's like there there are the hymns and there are the Psalms, but I think overall, um, I think it might've been Jen Johnson and one of like, in like a songwriting class in my first year of BSM said something like, sometimes there are thoughts or feelings that you have as a songwriter, that if you're writing for the church, you don't put in your song um, because they're not something you, because you, you want the congregation to sing where you want to be in 10 years, mm-hmm. like where you want your, you know, hungry for the Lord, these kind of things. And so, and, and not necessarily like, a, um, uh, I'm trying to think of something that, you know, I would say, you know, everyone's a heretic, you don't, yeah. that's not necessarily <laughs> like a, everyone's a heretic, yeah. thank you, Lord, you know. For some uh, it is. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so like, I think there, you know, I think that some people are just called to uh, the more corporate body. And I think sometimes when you're called to a more corporate body, you have to lay down your guns a little bit lyrically. Mm. Um, but we're also seeing a lot more of those artists step out of it like Brandon Lake is doing um, a love song album about you know his his, his wife um, and there are and people doing like singles like Dante Bo did mm-hmm. don't talk about it and um, you know they're doing this on the side of their worship platform mm-hmm. and stuff like that so that, that feels encouraging to me um, to see that like these people who are called to more of that world are still training that muscle Mm-hmm. of just brutal honesty. Um, and so it, it, that feel that feels exciting to me, but I don't, I don't know why, uh, it's not the cool radio thing anymore yeah. because I remember yeah. growing up listening to Christian radio, uh, was Switchfoot, Reliant K mm-hmm. and Berlin, Hawk Nelson, like stuff like that. Just people being a lot like letters to the president by Hawk Nelson was on the radio. Yeah. And now <laughs> it's like, uh, now it's like, uh, a lot more, um, basically, you know, a worship song from a Sunday, but with an 808, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like stomp claps kind of thing. So 
I, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think it's taking a turn. I really do, mm-hmm. especially with these big artists really um, changing. I think they're changing the game in a lot of ways. And I think it's good and I think it's needed. And I also think that the worship for the church is super needed too. Um, like worship for the church where it's not necessarily the deeply introspective stuff. But I think sometimes when you bring those songs in, like it as well, like by Christine, Oh my gosh, that song is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So it shows that there's room for both. I'm just interested to see how they play out. It's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, And uh, I kind of wanted to ask you this. I don't know if if you've thought about it, but like, would, would you consider your music any form of like protest music? Cause you mentioned some of the, well, you mentioned some of the older artists and, or, or maybe radio play was happening and, and, but some of your music to me is even more reminiscent of like punk rock in the eighties and stuff, you yeah. know? Some of those guitar uh, like solos. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, have you ever, yeah. have you ever thought of it like that or, or framed it, um, in that, in that set? I thought of you or my country like that. Definitely. Yeah. So I thought good. of you or my country yeah. and I thought of heretic like that. I also thought of Austric revival like that. Okay. Maybe I did think about it like that for all of us. No, uh, uh, with You're My Country, definitely. I thought that that song was going to get a lot more hate than it did. Um, I was fully prepared to lo- like to lose a lot of fans to give a lot of people a voice wow, with that one. so good. Where um, just because I, I just didn't care anymore. Like I was just like, if we're going to be in this world, this world meaning this genre and associated with the people we're associated, we have to make our voice of like, we have to use our voice to call out the things that we see wrong yeah Mm. um with your my country is just this marriage to political parties to opinions um to closing people out if their opinion's different than yours and saying this is god's way and stuff like that and then heretic was just a protest against the common belief i mean you guys are from uh, assemblies of god so it's a more charismatic environment as well so like with those, you know, every pastor is is labeled a, a heretic to the church down the road. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, because they don't understand it. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. It, as soon as something is, it's the similar idea with you or my country. As soon as things are different from your personal truth, it is heretical, and they're a false prophet, and a wolf in sheep's clothing. You know, stuff like that. Where I was just like, this is ridiculous, man. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, it's it's like the fight for I, I've seen a lot of times where the songs aren't necessarily a fight against the people searching for you know truth. It's a, a fight against um, Christians' main purpose being to be the right Christian, mm-hmm. like the one who's correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, you know it's like our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's like everyone's flight fight is against flesh and blood (laughs) flesh and blood that's standing directly on the other side of them so i'm like this isn't what it's about if i get to the to the the pearly gates and they're like were you always right um or like uh you know were you were you calvinist or were or did you believe in free will or did you vote for this person did you vote for this person like i i just don't think it's gonna be like that where it's I mean, did you, were you more right than Dave on your Facebook feed? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we, we're, we make protest songs in a way, um, not to, not to oppose a certain musical type, but to uh, use the fact that we have been accepted into this genre and circle, um, 
and we have an opportunity to flip it on its head. I, I don't expect us to be nearly as big as, you know, some of these CCM artists. I, I'd love to have a platform like that, but because it's not going to be a, not, not everything is a widely accepted idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not digestible. Like I'm okay with that. You know, I, I'd rather sing the song that I want to sing and have 60% of the fans than have a hundred percent and me feel like I never said anything worth saying. Right. Yeah. So good. Wow. That, that is good. And, um, it, it kind of leads me to, uh, another question of, so with that idea of, creating for the 60% or trying to create for the 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you, do you see room in the church to, for creative people to be able to do that as well, to, to, to try to push those boundaries maybe of like, you know, we want to create truth. We want to create honesty. We want to create according to the word of God, but, um, we want to create in a way that, you know, isn't going to be so broad that just anyone would, would love it. We want to, we want to create mm-hmm. that truth in a way that, um, it might actually, you know, it might offend somebody or it might, make someone ask a question because that's what I think about your music is it to me it asks more questions Mm -hmm. um for the listener Mm -hmm. you know so is there room in the Mm -hmm. church to to do more of that in your opinion I think leaving room for questions in the church is kind of taboo as it is yeah um (laughs) where you know gray area is always gray area is always terrifying I think that um I think there's totally room for it and I think at the same time there's not um where I think that, you know, we should find ways to be more creative and we should find ways to be more abrasive lyrically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a fine line between offending someone's thought pattern because it's it's going to be healthy for them and it's, you know, a good thing and it's going to change their mind in a way. And then there's being offensive just to be offensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that we've never gotten anywhere near the being offensive just to be offensive. We've believed in everything we we've said so far. Um, um, but I think in terms of room for the church, I absolutely think so. I think that so many times we can get impatient with it though, of with, you know, everyone's, you know, when we're like, we're pushing the envelope and then just expecting everyone to be on board with, you know, the envelope being pushed. Um, it's like a, you know, you take a, a church where the average attendee is 70 years old. And then you're like, we're going to have a, contemporary worship service and then um and then you guys bring in a huge drum kit and expect a 70 year old to be like let's go yeah (laughs) um uh, so i i think that um there's room for this pushing of the envelope in the church and i think it's going to take time for people to get on board not everyone is going to be like right away be like of course it's god moving in a guitar solo you know kind of thing um it's it's just how things have moved always you know people hated hillsong for the longest time now hillsong is a household name yeah you grew up in the church um but yeah i think there's room and i think it's happening too there are places that i really really see i see what they're doing and i'm like wow this is incredible um i i I don't know if it's a church or a movement of churches but the stuff that ellie linebear and martin smith do with bright city and uh the uk has been really really encouraging me and just the songs that they're doing is just like wild. And then every once in a while, a John Mark McMillan song breaks into the scene and it feels like the world has opened up because his lyrics are just, Mm -hmm. you know, like horses driven by Kings and stuff like that for future past. Um, and it got every church to buy a set of roto toms. Um, so (laughs) I think that, uh, I think it really just takes one song to change the game in a way. And, um, I think it's going to happen. And I think that, 
there's a lot of really creative young people in churches right now and older people that are really fired up to do something different. And I think doing something different um, is going to be awesome. And I, I don't think that doing something different for the sake of doing something different is correct. But if you're doing something mm-hmm. different as a means to opening up, breaking our boxes, letting the Lord move through new ways, I think that's going to be really cool. And I think there is room for it. So good. That's awesome. Um, Can you talk a little bit about just maybe people in your life that kind of championed you through like figuring things out for yourself and yeah. just your creativity, stuff like that. Can you talk a little <laughs> bit about that? I mean, do we have an hour for that? Oh, like, Yeah, there's been so many uh, insane people in my life that have just helped me a ton. My parents have always been like my mom when I was 18 and I was like, kind of coming into my own in terms of everything. I started going to a different church as them for a second. And then like, you know, just some other things. And they were always, Hey, if we don't see things the same way, we're still excited for you. And when I decided, when I came out to first year BSSM, the plan was all, the plan was always to come home after the first year. And so when I went home after the first year, I really felt the Lord pushing me to do a second year, but I was like, I can't because I just moved home and we all missed each other so much. And I remember my mom uh, came downstairs a week after I had gotten home and was like, Gable, you know, you're allowed to go back. Right. And that was like the release moment, like the freedom moment of like, wow, I could actually go back. And then I went back and that's what changed everything. I met the guys, you know, we released our EP. So my parents, really did. Um, while I was figuring it out, I think that Jordan DeMarco was a really, really big part of that, um, where he was, I was just telling him my struggles with, um, you know, I, the fraction heart is just, I've been very vocal about it being my, my faith crisis record. Um, and so when I was kind of going through that, I was interning for him. It was like right after I was really in the heat of it. I told him about it because he's like, I want you to wrestle with those things, but I want you to, there are certain things that you can never call into question. Mm, So he's like, you know, like, he's like, you can wrestle with why are we here? Why do bad things happen to really good people? Stuff like that. He's like, he's like, you have full permission to do that. He's like, but, um, but, but, uh, you know, cursing the Holy spirit, mocking the Lord. Like he's like, that stuff can never be okay. Mm. Um, and so like just, just having a structure in, in healing was really helpful. Having someone there during it was awesome. I would say that another person that was really amazing about it was Callie, um, Heiligenthal. Um, she was my, I would say my first worship pastor out here that I really was close to and mentored me. And she just kind of, you know, I was realizing, I'm like, wow, I've gotten turned down for worship teams so many times to lead. I have, you know, when I wrote a worship song, people were like, that's not a worship song. It's a rock song. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, And she just kind of told me like, Gable, it's okay to perform. You're actually, she told me, she was like, you're a B plus worship leader. She's like, you could be an A if you worked pretty hard. You could be an A plus if you worked the rest of your life. She's like, you are an A plus plus performer songwriter front man she's like it would be so dumb for you to to throw away the thing that everyone wishes they have mm. so that you could do the thing that you know is 99 anointing um wow. and work towards something that was never yours in the first place <laughs> yeah 
Wow. Yeah. And so like, it was like that. And she said it in a super nice way. It it wasn't as blunt. That was kind of just how I took it. But um, that was really a big deal. And that was when I gave myself, that's when I was like, we're going to do Ostark Revival. Because before that we had written, we'd written everything off the, the writing EP. We had, um, and then we had written Underdressed, Evergreen, and did anything else make the album? No, just Underdressed and Evergreen. Those are the only songs we had from the album. And when she told me that, I was like, yeah, it's, it's time to really push it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when we finished Awestruck Revival. And holy cow, that was a game changer. Because if the album was an album full of evergreens, we never would have changed anything or done anything mm-hmm. for ourselves or made the music we really, really wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Cause we love that song. It's a beautiful song, but in terms of where we're going as a band, it's, it's just not it. Cool. So it was exciting. Very cool. So I know you talked a little bit about it earlier. Um, just the pandemic, how has interacting with your fans, um, continuing to create with your band? How's that looked? You knew it, it was it's coming. Funny because, <laughs> because, it's funny because you say fans before the pandemic, assuming that there were any. There, um, <laughs> listen, Spotify, you are on Spotify. They're fans. I know, but I'm, I'm saying like uh, when when COVID hit, it was one week before we released Awestruck Revival, which was the first single off our album. Wow. So we had six thousand monthly listeners, which is, which we're super, we were super thankful for it at the time. But I think now, you know, being. Sp- you know half a year out of our release like and four months since we've released anything um we have like sixty-five thousand monthly lessons wow Um, that's awesome which is still like in the grand scheme of things you go to like big big artists and they have millions but for us like you know the pandemic was it didn't change anything for us because there was nothing to change yet Mm -hmm. we weren't touring we we you know we were we were begging people to take us on tour with them um, once we graduated. Um, but once one thing that now we're ready to go, we, we are dying for <laughs> yeah. it to be a safe place for us to be able to tour and meet our fans in person and get to hang out. Um, but one of the really cool things that we feel like happened from it is we might have been able to skip the sleep on the floor tour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, you know, we're accepting, yeah. you know, we're opening for a band. There's only 50 people there yeah. each night for, that were all there for the other band. And we make a hundred bucks as a band Oof. total <laughs> and we're crashing on the floor of, you know, a church, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And we're happy to do that because we're dying to play. But I think with all of this, if there is a bright spot to it happening, we, we were able to grow our fan base, able to grow as a band together develop our sound all without being kind of locked in and having to kind of go get into a ton of debt to buy a van um get you know in your setups for the road and i think it's just i think it's just been a really really you know if there's a good thing that's that's the good thing in terms of interacting with fans um it's been great and it's been hard not meeting them but uh, we, you know, we check all of our DMS, we check all of our requests. Um, so, you know, we've, it feels like we've made friends with a handful of our fans to where like, you know, we, we DM with them enough that, um, or they respond to enough of our stuff and we kind of get to know them that, you know, we'll be in our band group chat and we'll be like, did you see the message from this person? And we're on a first name basis, cool. you know? So 
I, it feels like when we go to cities, we're going to have a lot of people to take out the coffee. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, you can add mm. us to the list. Yeah. You know, when you come to oh, Oklahoma well, I City. I would love that. <laughs> well, um, you know, we'll, we'll let you get out of here, but I did want to ask real fast, um, kind of through this, you said it's been about four months since you've released anything. Like, are the creative mm-hmm. juices still flowing or you, do you have new ideas and yeah. things going? Yeah, we have a lot planned for the year. Um, you know, we're trying to keep Fraction Heart as alive as it can be because mm-hmm. we never got to tour it. Um, so a lot of people will release their album and they'll tour. So it feels like that album is still fresh and you're, you're meeting new people and they're discovering your album. But because that didn't happen, we're trying to be creative with how to keep it alive. So um, we have a lot we have a lot of new songs right now that we're kind of figuring out when they get released. Um, but we also have some, you know, I don't know when this video will air, but we've got some really cool ideas for, um, you know, just reimagined things for the album. Uh, of Fractioned Heart. So um, Creative Juices are flowing with that. We've got some songs that we are really stoked on. We've got probably like four ready to go. Um, uh, and they're, they, they're pushing it. Like, like they're, they're, they're us, you know? Um, and it's, it's really cool because the last songs we wrote on the album were 10% Repentance, Midway Drive, and Demons. Uh, and we felt like demons was Game of Price and Friends. Yeah. And, you know, demons and heretic and awestruck revival. We were like, if we had to play three songs at a show, that would be it. And because we feel like that is the direction we're going where it's, it still has introspective thought and really pushes your mind into things, but it's just ballsy (laughs) and it's just, uh, and it's exciting and it's fun and it feels more like like a colony house than it feels like a Bethel music and which is hard to do because half of our guys are in Bethel yeah. music yeah. like to change the sound <laughs> um so uh uh but no it's really cool we've got one you know Ostrich Revival was a song I wrote when I was 17 uh like I wrote most of it then and it was just a completely different lyrical structure than we were we used to when we started Gable Price and Friends but we have another one that's going to come out eventually that I also wrote when I was like 19 that is just like I had a side project called called the big league boys for a while and we would play it at all of our shows and it was just a really fun song um so we're we're talking about you know getting that rolling with Gable Price and Friends which I think would be really cool and stretch us and offend us a little bit uh in terms of like what we sing about it's just like you know we always tell people like we're not uh we're not just a worship band that found an electric guitar player. We're, we're a rock and roll band that sings about the things we care about. And a lot of times that's faith, but a lot of times it's just life and struggle and being human. And so it's, it's super exciting. We're all just giddy for this next season. Awesome. Well, uh, before we get out of here, I just have one final question is that is, uh, do you have any words of encouragement for fellow creatives out there listening? Go big or go small, just do something, you know? Um, it's, uh, it's what I live by. And I think that none of this would have been happening if I hadn't just showed my friend Adam, one of our songs in a coffee shop. And we were like, what if we raised a thousand dollars to make an EP? And we had people gather around us and then we released it. And then it was a snowball effect of we released that and then people started listening. And then uh, David Funk got interested and 
joining and he joined us and then Cam joined us and then I wouldn't say that we're like we've made it because all of us still have day jobs but um, I would say like all of that started from a simple yes of I'm going to invest in myself so I'd say as a fellow creative if you're waiting for it to be perfect it won't be Um, and you just got to do something even if it's even if it's getting a few of your friends raising a thousand dollars and making a couple songs but you got to do something thank gable for taking time to join us go check out his music uh we'll we'll link a spotify playlist in the show notes and uh we've had a a fun time today but before we wrap up kyler you had one question you wanted to ask us and so the floor is yours i know it's a song so i was gonna sing it but i don't remember what it goes but i'm gonna do my best where have all the disciples gone (laughs) (laughs) that's a song all the good men gone? No, Where I'm thinking of let's hear gone. it for the boys. Let's hear it for the boys. <laughs> hear it for the boys. Yeah. Uh, where have all the cowboys gone? <laughs> Paula Cole. They can leave. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> okay, so what, what's your question? So I was in a Zoom call the other day with a church leader and they were talking about a conference they'd recently gone to and it was brought up how, how bad the church was doing, how how bad of a job they were doing at making disciples. And I was impressed that they were um, bringing it up because I think a lot of people aren't willing to like address that. Like that they had that. enough self-awareness? Uh, yeah, that they okay. were aware. Um, but then the solutions to me were kind of like, those don't really sound like solutions. <laughs> okay. Can you offer, like, without, I mean, we're not trying to throw anyone under the bus, but, like, what were some of the things that you weren't sure were proper responses like solutions they were just talking about oh one one of them was they were saying that if basically i'm trying to think how to say this basically they were saying if your church doesn't have a youtube like you're not going to have any sort of effect on gen z because Hmm. effect on gen z because i guess everybody's going to youtube now like to offer like discipleship content Uh, no like services okay and so I was like, well, if you're Elevation, that works. Mm-hmm. But if you're Podunk, Oklahoma, Assembly, yeah. not so much. Yeah. Well, it doesn't work at making disciples, though. Yeah, but that, that's at, uh, my, that, that was my thing. Developing consumers, faithful consumers. Yeah. Right. Which can, they'll follow the church brand and they'll follow the marketing, but they're not following Jesus. And mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not disciples. Um, at least not by the uh, definition of the word. Right. And then they talked about, this person talks a little bit about how they're like, you know, d- discipleship Discipleship is about relationship. And I was like, it's been that way. Yeah, that hasn't changed. <laughs> it, that hasn't changed. And then they were like, you know, when you're discipling a younger person, they just want you to like give them advice, but then they want to go on the journey themselves and your job is to just steer them. And I'm like, that's also been a thing. It's called a mentor. I don't know. So I just don't know. Well, I, I mean, I, I definitely, A, I, I'm glad the church would acknowledge 
yeah that maybe they haven't hit the mark because I, I do fear that it's a, a point we've we've really missed out on and um, I mean you know even in terms of the creative world like I don't think we've done a very good job of pulling people with us and um, our, our our pretend friend John Mark Comer you know I've, I've always said he 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 placed it in a way that appeals to me the most he says uh, a disciple is an apprentice of Jesus you know it's someone who learns to 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 live that way learns the craft and and all that stuff and um i don't think churches just do a very good job of it if i can be honest and part of it Kyle you said the consumerism um we've created such a consumer culture that uh it's it's hard i think to to try to get people to go a deeper level and not to put blame at all on creative people but we've sure helped steer steer the church into a consumer world yeah yeah and i think it's just you ask where where have they gone or I think there's an abundance of disciples out there doing exactly what disciples are supposed to do mm-hmm. and that's probably exactly why we don't hear don't from hear them. About we don't know which churches are mm-hmm. doing it right because that's not what they're con- they're not concerned with letting us know, you know. Yeah. Uh we've simultaneously said, you know, well we, we've got to do whatever it takes to get our message out to the world at the same time making sure that whatever we're doing to send out into the world is also going to be seen by other churches so that they'll think we're cool too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not discipleship. Yeah. I, I agree. I always just go back to that quote that you said that you say often. That's like, if you're a pastor of 300, you're not really a pastor. What is that? Well, it's you? Eugene Peterson. There um, he is. Yeah. It's St. Eugene. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's, it's along the lines of once you reach a church reaches a, a, a congregation of like 150, um, you know, it, it's hard for the pastor to pastor all the people. Mm-hmm. And then once the church hits the size of 300, then he's no longer the pastor. He or she is no longer the pastor right. because they, they can't personally know, um, everybody in the congregation. And, you know, I mean, that's church growth is church growth. Like it's, you know, it's not to say like you can't have a church of 300 or 3000, but it it begins to limit how much a pastor can impact the people in the pews because they just can't have those uh, conversations and they can't walk with everybody. Um, So so it is difficult. I just, I fear that um, in so many ways, culture has invaded the church and the church has become so self-centered that that's why it's difficult to disciple people. And it's because yeah. well, we're, bigger, we're so, yeah. well, I was just gonna say, we're so concerned about our own needs, our own wants, our own desires, our own life, because our own life is so busy. You know, we talked about Sabbath last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's hard for, I think, for leaders to want to invest in other people, for one thing. And then the people who we would like to invest into, sometimes they don't want to be invested into because they think they got the, all their stuff together anyway, you know? So it, it goes both ways. I'm afraid it's, it's leaders not wanting to lead and followers not wanting to follow because we've just created independent people, even in the church. Yeah. And we've created this cycle as the church grows. It's less of God leading the pastors to impart their wisdom and to help lead Mm -hmm. the congregation than it is the pastors and the people on staff of a church trying to keep up with what their giant congregation wants from them. And that's good. It's, it's like we've reversed the roles. Um, that's, I mean, that book, uh, uh, top 10 reasons to delete your social media right now. He talks about how the advertisers are the actual consumers and how we are the, uh, like the, the anyways, I'm getting, getting off, but anyways, basically we've, we've put the congregation in charge of the leadership. 
um, and and the spiritual direction rather than um, turning to to spiritual mentors and letting that be like like what Kyler said mentorship that's been around or discipleship it's not it's not that people have clearly said what they wanted we want to be able to come we want to have a really cool experience with lights and music mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. awesome songs we want to feel uplifted we want to be encouraged we want to be told that everything's going to be okay and then we want to come back the next week and have same the same moment same thing yeah it is so crazy to me because i feel like we've made things so difficult like kyle just talking about and you guys seeing the congregation you know feeds a lot into what the pastor's Mm -hmm. doing just like even the setup of like the old testament temples like it was always the priest going in interacting with God, coming back and talking to the people. And I think we've gotten so caught up in like the veil is torn, which don't get me wrong. Like that's good news. We don't have to, you know, make any animal sacrifices, et cetera. But it's like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Some of you may be listening and thinking like this, is, you know, my pastor is the one who guides the ship, um, you know, or it's our board or it's the directors or whoever, um, you know, throughout history, the people who were able to, to influence things most often, not quickly, but most often were the artists and the creators, uh, whether they were inside the church or outside the church. And so I do think that sometimes these topics that may not seem like they're completely relevant in a creative sense, um, I, I truly hope we can at least make you wonder, you know, hey, you know, what are we doing? Um, our mm-hmm. creative department, how are we approaching things? Um, are we are we adding to or are we taking away or are we, you know, what are we doing and how can we help? Um, instigate positive change in the church because um, I was listening to a podcast uh, just this last week and you know the 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 host basically said I think we all need to be honest enough to say the church in America right now is hurting mm-hmm. um, you know it's I don't think it's going anywhere I don't think it's disappearing I think you know Jesus is in charge of all this and he's much better than we are but I think we can all acknowledge the church in America is hurting. So I think these are conversations that even the creative people should be having of like, how can we help the church um, to continue to to be vibrant in a world right now that that it, it's hurting, you know? So anyway, that's my soapbox. The disciples are there. They're just in, in, in the hidden places. Yeah. They're just laboring. They're just laboring. Are you laboring ready for in the silence? Harvest? Yep. And... <laughs> <laughs> I do want to echo these what you said. are the days of Elijah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, I was ready to get the, <laughs> the clap going. On women oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yikes. <laughs> you know, you've, got to separate. you've got to separate the drum drummer versus the congregation. Uh, you know? uh, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, hey, um, but I do want to echo what Kyle said kind of at the start is it's not that there are no disciples. Um, it's what, you know, you just mentioned they're out there. Um, it's just unfortunately we don't always see the, you know, we don't see it oftentimes. And you get critical of a church and sometimes it's because they're the only ones you see. So we're not out here yeah. trying to say that nothing good is happening. Um, there's a lot good happening. I just I, I wish we could see more good. So that's kind of just my heart. So um, before we get out of here, Kyler, uh, you got a couple couple things to talk about yeah we're still looking for content contributors if you uh, like making graphics um man you want to share some of the work you've been doing lately um contact us we'd love we'd love to use your work and you know open our sphere of creators and then lastly we're still going dark on social media or we've still been dark Mm -hmm. we stay dark for some of us like kyle on social media yep um 
we're taking this time to draw closer to the Lord instead of, <laughs> instead of you know spending a lot of time on our phones. I've actually my um was it screen report yeah. that you get on Sundays? Mine keeps going down and awesome. it feels fantastic. Um, <laughs> wow! <laughs> so I don't say that to brag. I mean, it really is a good feeling. The more, the more less time you spend on your screen, um, spend with your loved ones, spend reading a book, etc. Yeah. Um, so continue to do that with us. And we have a week left. Two weeks. Uh, two weeks. Well, yeah, two weeks um, from this airing. So yeah, and I would like to next episode. We'll maybe we'll instead of a top three or something, we may do a uh, how, how's it going for us. Um, right. segment just to kind of check in. That's great about your screen time. Yeah. And I so. will say the less time you spend on it, the less panicky you feel when you lose it in your mm. couch cushions. That's true. So that is true. There's nothing <laughs> only, <there>. only pros here. <laughs> you know, at some point there's not a better feeling than leaving your phone, like in your bedroom and realizing you haven't touched it in like three hours or four hours. And so. You start patting your pockets and like, yeah. where's it at? I've lost my phone. But, uh, Anyway, Kyle, do you have anything you'd like to add before we get out of here? No, I'm, I agree. I think it goes, I mean, it just goes back to what uh, we were just talking about, about the church. I think thinking that I needed to see what everyone was doing or everyone see what I was doing was uh, anyone who says that, that they don't think about that, I think nowadays is a liar. So I think the less, <laughs> the, the less you can do with that, uh, the better off you are and I'm loving it. I, I mean, I'll take my, uh, this is a dumb, a dumb watch. And yeah. sometimes I'll just take it off and be like, I don't care what time it is. <gasps> yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's where I'm at now. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, I'm going to go ahead. Sorry. Set this watch over here. Well, Hey, we, we do need to get out of here. We uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode. We, we want to say thank you again to Gable Price uh, for taking time to be on the show. So we, uh, hopefully we didn't fan, fan out too much. Gable Price. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, uh, producer Chris, you've, you've been awful quiet this episode. Did you just have any, uh, nuggets you wanted to drop before we get out of here? I have no nuggets. <laughs> Don't drop your nuggets. Chris, you nuggets. Slip, on nuggets. Slip, nuggets. slip on the ice. You slip on the ice. You slip on the ice. You're <laughs> dropping your nuggets. <laughs> When life gives you nuggets, don't drop them. <laughs> Good job. I like well, that. That has been a Chris nugget. <laughs> we got that on tape now. We'll be able to use that <laughs> every time Chris. Chris nugget. <laughs> Chris's oh, nuggets. <laughs> All right. We need to get out of here because we are it losing like the control. We'll come back. Kyler uh, wants to ask the question: Where have all the disciples gone? So, where I have a follow-up question: Where has disciple gone? The band.